With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Sunday night Bible study on TalkShoe. Glad to see you folks there in the chat room as usual. And it's a pleasure to be here and a pleasure to be able to sit in an upright position and, and be able to open the Word of God. It's always a blessing to open the Word of God. Amen, Brother Jason? Amen, Brother Don. Uh, and tonight we're going to be in the latter part of the book of Luke with around verse song. Let me see. We left off. Uh, let's see, we're fixing to get into New Testament, Old Testament doctrine. We'll start around verse 33, brother, when we get started, okay? Okay. So you can go ahead and scroll down to there. But anyway, folks, I uh, appreciate you being there. And you downloaders, I appreciate you taking the time whenever you get around in your, I'm sure, busy life, you know, to um, download. Appreciate it very much. Um, tomorrow night. We will pick up with uh, don't the timeline of deception, and I, I think I made mention the other night that it'll probably be the last installment. I'm going to rephrase that statement and say, Lord willing, because I was studying uh, yesterday and I saw some extra stuff I may go into. So, Lord willing, that'll be the last installment, and it will probably go a pretty good while, so... If any of you folks are um, planning on coming in for a short program, I don't think tomorrow night's the time, <laughs> you know, to be planning on a short one. But anyway, who knows? We'll let the Spirit of the Lord lead, and we'll see what, what happens. Brother Jason, if you would, open us in a word of prayer, brother. Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and we ask, Lord, that you bless us tonight with your Holy Spirit. We also hold brother Don up to you Lord we ask that you heal his pain Lord we ask that you uh, heal him in every way Lord uh, and renew renew him spiritually and physically and give him the energy to get back on his feet Lord we also ask that you give him a blessing in any other ways at this negative event that he had 
has affected his life, financially or otherwise. So we ask that your intervention on that, Lord, and your blessing. And we also pray for those, Lord, that would download the program, that you would speak to their hearts, Lord, and open their eyes and their hearts to you. We ask all these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. You know, folks, that just I, you hear, hear me, if you've been with me for any length of time, you know that I teach a doctrine that has been dropped by 99.999% of Bible-believing Christianity here in the in the last days. You know that I teach the doctrine of Christian suffering and the reasons for it and the necessity of it and the surety of it, all right? And it's something that was originally taught as part, just that was part of Christian doctrine for a thousand years, over a thousand years, okay? And let this, just remember this. Anybody can praise God when things are fine. See, this is not, this is not mind-blowing. This is not no, you know, deep, dark doctrine or mystifying nugget. This is just the plain truth, but it's not applied. Anybody can thank God when things are going well. When the kids are well, when the body's in good shape, when the air's clean, when the sun's shining, anybody can say praise the Lord. Anybody can take a time, a little five minutes out of their oh-so-busy schedule that they can spend five minutes in prayer with the one that created them and give them the opportunity. Should be able to anyway. It's when the chips are down. It's when, and this is, has nothing to do with sadistic, you know, um, what, are the, what do they call it, sadomatricism, something like that. This is nothing to do with that. This is Christian doctrine. This is biblical doctrine, what I'm talking about right now. All right? Being able to thank God for your pain, because all if 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 the, if the Lord told the truth and the book is correct, He said all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. And right above that, He says, Paul says, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And right above that, he tells he's talking to the Christians, he says, such and such is going to be this way after ye have suffered a while. Peter says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trials, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering. See, whatever the suffering, whatever the mental language, the psychological pain, the physical pain, it doesn't have to be nails in the hands and feet and a crown of thorns, folks. It's the suffering part that's the perfecting process. It's the bills that you can't pay. It's the, I'm sorry, it's terminal. It's the lawyer handing you a paper that says your old lady has left you, see? That kind of stuff. 
or, I'm sorry, they quit breathing. All that stuff, what you do in those times, the way you conduct your attitude, your mental attitude, not only toward the Lord, but around others and to others, that's what makes it through the fire, folks. That's what will show up at the judgment seat of Christ in rewards. Either in rewards or in suffering loss. See, one of the two. The only way to prepare yourself for those kind of things is to do the right things when everything's going right. To always give give thanks in everything. That's the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. First Thessalonians 5. Being able to thank God when things are not worth a flip and everybody's cussing you and discussing you and you're broke. Praise God for those opportunities because to keep a steady keel and keep on running that race with patience with the eyes on the prize no matter what comes or who comes, that's what the Christian life is about. And 99.99% of quote-unquote, I hate to use it, Christianity, is nothing but a bald-faced lie. They're living a lie. I've got some people that I talk to and communicate with, brothers and sisters. And we talk about this stuff every now and then. And I have seen growth personified in some of these individuals. There's one in particular I'm I'm thinking about right now. I know about eight or eight about eight months ago, if 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 um, things got bad, they got all bent out of shape, and and the person's going to know who I'm talking about. <laughs> but praise the Lord, I believe in giving credit where credit's due. But I watch I've watched the growth of these individuals, and that's what that's where I get off. That's where I shout and see the fruits of the labor. I've seen attitudes change when things come up now. That's things are, it's, a, it's, it's approached from a different angle, with a different outlook. See, that's the Spirit of God working in the individuals. That's... That, that's it makes it worth it all to a preacher and teacher to be able to witness the growth of the ones that listen and study underneath their preaching and teaching. That's what it's all about. Any preacher worth his salt or a teacher, if they tell you if they tell you the truth <laughs> if they tell you the truth, that's where their that's where their shouting comes in. That's where they're rewarded. That's they love it. I mean that that's just the way it is. 
that's the rate, then that ties right in with what I was talking about Friday night with that symbiotic relationship, how important it is, and how people try, they, they, oh, it's different now, the Internet, oh, well, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. I'm not going to get off and start ranting and raving about it. If you haven't listened to Friday night's program, you should go back and listen to it. That symbiotic relationship is so important. I mean, do you think Paul spent all that time joking around <laughs> when he was talking about the members of the body, how important each member was to one another? If you ain't striving toward any of that, tell me, will you please tell me how that's being obedient? No, it's being just the opposite. All the excuses don't hold water. And they won't hold water at the judgment seat of Christ either. Hey, if I can see it, and I point the problems out, whether you accept it and do anything about it or not, is immaterial. The fact that it's been brought forth, the acceptance or the rejection and the application in the life, that's what this whole spiritual thing's all about. That's what this three score and ten's all about. If you're a born-again child of God and believe the book, too much is given, much is required. Once you come to the knowledge of the truth, once the truth's presented, I didn't say that you accepted the truth. I didn't say that, oh, you were 100% glory to God about the truth. I said, once you have heard the truth, then the accountability has swung in your direction. Too much is given, much is required. Period. But back talking about the suffering thing. I have made a point. I, I remember years ago, you know, a lot of you folks are familiar, and I hate to even talk about myself and bring myself into this, what I'm talking about, but I'm going to because it's the only way I can give illustration. And then we're going to get into the Book of Luke. I got this stuff preached to me and talked to me within six months after I become a Christian. The very I remember I, Randy Higgins was my Sunday school teacher. He's dead now. He committed suicide about 10 years ago over a woman. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. It happens. And he had done, doctors stuck him on some antipsychotic medicine, but anyway, it's neither here nor there. He taught this, doc. He taught this and explained it. I never will forget it. It, it made no sense to me. I thought every, once you become a Christian, everything's supposed to be full of blessings. As long as you do such and such, you're supposed to be blessed for it. See, we define what blessing is, see. We try to define individually what we call blessings. Completely forgetting that an omnipotent, omnipresent, sovereign God is the one that determines what blessings are because he knows the beginning to the end. He knows what you need he knows what you need, what you don't need. 
and knows when to put it in your life and when to take it out of your life to, for the perfecting process to be put into place for you to be able to do what you're expected to do, see. But anyway, back to Randy Higgins. This made no sense to me I, because I had this idea about Christianity and about the Bible. Oh, you're just supposed to do this, 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 and everything's supposed to be wonderful, 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 as long as you did that. If you did bad, then everything was supposed to be bad. If you did good, everything's supposed to be good. That's the biggest lie of the pits of hell that's ever been told when it comes to teaching the Word of God, okay? But that's what you hear out there. And three-quarters of the New Testament absolutely spits in that it spits in the face of that prosperity, everything ought to be all right, doctrine. Well, look at the condition of the people. Look at the condition of your people around you. Anybody that's read the Old Testament <laughs> ought to understand that every time everything got all right with our people, they went to hell in a handbasket. When the screws got twisted, that's when they repented. See, it's no different today. No different in the individual life. You take the national Israel and pull it down on the individual Christian. It's no different. The ones that can rise above that, they're growing. The ones that praise God during a time of pain, the ones that keep on doing what they're supposed to be doing whenever the screws are turned, that's the ones that are maturing. The ones that can only praise God, make certain point, do certain stuff when they want to, when it lines up with their schedule, whenever it's convenient for them, nothing to them. Nothing to them. That's not my opinion. That's what the book says. Paul said, I keep my body, I keep myself in subjection. Else, when I preach to others, I myself become a reprobate. I mentioned this the other night. There's old gloom and doom Don talking about that old suffering again. I thought he'd got off that for a while. I'll never get off of it because that's what three-quarters of the New Testament's about. And if you don't understand what I just said, your world hurt. If you're not starting to understand it, then you really in your world hurt. I'd say you had to understand it all. That comes with time, with experience, patience. Tribulation worketh patience, folks. Tribulation. I didn't say blessings. I said tribulation worketh patience. And patience experience and experience hope. Romans chapter 5. Tribulation worketh patience. And guess what? Patience is one of the fruits of the Spirit. See? You thought all them fruits just popped up, you know? No. Each one of them has a tool that brings it about. Each one of the fruits of the Spirit has something that's done in the flesh, something that has to be taken care of, something that, something that has to be harnessed, a discipline has to be invoked, 
in the person's life for these fruits to show forth. It's a battlefield, brother, not a recreation game. And you got a lot of folks out there that's never going to hear this kind of teaching, folks. You got and, and so, you're talking about suffering losses of judgment seat of Christ. They don't have they don't, they won't have a clue, and some of them will hear it from a distance and be talked out of the truth because of the pain, because of the troubles. They'll be talked out of it, and they won't understand what they're supposed to do when they present themselves in, in their life. See, we get to rocking and rolling on the bicycle, going down a flat, going down across a flat plain uh, amongst a, beautiful, a bunch of beautiful flowers, and the Lord sets up a few tacks right underneath the dirt for you to run over to see if that smile is going to stay on your face when you hit those tacks and the, and, the, and, and the tire goes flat and you have to push the bicycle for 15 miles to, to get the tire fixed. He's going to see if you still do the same thing. He's going to see if you still make those telephone calls and say, hey, brother, how you doing? Just wanted to let you know I'm praying for you. And I can I can just pick out example after example after example. If you're running a little late, you still go to the nursing home. You still see those people that can't come to see you. You go out of your way to do that, or it just not or just when it's on your way somewhere. If it happens to be. On the road, you're already, you got to pre-plan something you're going to do. And it just happens to be on the way. Therefore, you're going to make a big deal, huh, and do it then, right? Yeah. I would I would wonder if everybody did to you and did according to the way you do to others, huh? Wonder if they did that. Reckon you'd be a happy camper then? Do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. And if you got if you're doing unto yourself according to the book, then everything falls into place, see? The way things are today, <laughs> if people's really wanting you to do unto them, wanting you to do to them what they do to you, it's a way. It's a world of hurt. Okay, period. And a lot of them do it anyway. But anyway, just want to hit that about the suffering part because it's been a long time since I mentioned it. And like I said, that's that's the big deal in your life. When the rod comes down on your back. Praise God. Praise your holy name. Lord, I needed it. Thank you for showing me my fault. 
Thank you for letting me know. Thank you for pointing it out. Or do you scoot on through and look like a tree full of owls and have no idea why what comes in your life comes in your life? If you're one of them, you better get naked and get in a dark room somewhere and ask the Lord and stay there till he brings to your attention these facts that are so precious in the Christian life. You better get that book out and get on your knees and spend some time with the Lord alone and shed some tears and do some repenting. Bad things happen to good people for a reason, folks. The Father knows best. The very fact that he scourges and chastens you just for being his son. Every son gets it in the neck. Every son. And the ones that don't get it ain't his. Pure and simple. Or either the word of God's a lie. Ain't no context. That ain't taking nothing out of context, folks. We read it the other night. I've read it many times. I hope it sinks in. I keep thinking maybe if I read it enough, it will sink in. And that can be a topic of conversation sometimes. That way you know it sunk in to some folks. I'll say this and then we're going to Luke 5.33. Whomsoever the Lord loveth, loves, loveth, he chastens and scourges, E-V-R-Y, every son whom he receives. That's every. It means in the Greek, every. Every son whom he receiveth. And if ye be without chastisement, that's that scourging and chastening whereby all, A-L-L, are partakers. If you be without it, if you don't get it, you're a bastard and not a son. That ought to, sit, that ought to ring a whole new bell in some folks' ears about what they should pay attention to in their life. If you go scrubbing and throwing everything to the side, oh, that's just a coincidence, that just happens. You know, that was what crap happens, except they use something else. To a Christian, crap just don't happen. And if you're not reaching and grabbing it and dealing with it in your mind and with the Word of God and finding out what the problem is, then you in a world, you, you in a world hurt. Folks, this last 10 minutes is some of the, if you will pay attention to it and you'll apply it in your life and think about, pray about what I've just got through saying the last 15 minutes, it'll change your whole life. Because that's one of the biggest parts of the Christian walk. That helps you readjust your life. That helps you confess things that are not copacetic with the Father. 
If you do something and all of a sudden something happens up uh, upside your head. But see, the, the way it works with the Lord, He'll let you go on and do the same thing over and over and over again until He gets sick and tired of it. And then, boom! Now, if you've been studying the Word of God and you've been faithful and disciplined and doing the things you were supposed to do, when the boom happens... You'll remember what you did. You'll get the opportunity to repent of it. Yeah, you'll be begging the Lord, show me what I've done wrong, Lord, so I can get so I can take care of it. Show me where to be more obedient. I've made excuses for it long enough, Lord. It's time to it's time to put it into action, Lord. Because you want perfection. You want us it's a, called a perfecting process. It's better to obey than to sacrifice. Obedience to the Word of God. Obedience to the Lord. Attempted obedience. That's 100% plus right there. Attempted obedience. It doesn't matter if you fall, get up. Nobody keeps, nobody wins every battle. And you can win a few battles and think you're doing wonderful and poke your chest out, and the next corner you turn, you'll get slapped down again. Such is the Christian life. That's totally 100% contrary to everything that's taught out there even though that's the pure Word of God. Unadulterated, absolutely not interpreted, that's the Word of God. No interpretation to it. The Lord meant what He said. Can't get around it. Oh, you can get around it. You can do. You can go the opposite direction. You can do all kind of stuff contrary. See, but that just goes to show you really, you really don't believe the book. You really don't believe in the afterlife. You really don't believe that there's an accountability time coming. That's all that proves. And unbelief, the Lord don't put up with it too much. He don't like that at all. He'd rather you be believing and applying and stumbling and falling on your face than to just mark it off with unbelief. He damns a bunch of folks in Second Thessalonians chapter 2 specifically for one reason. They believe not. They, had not. they believe not the love of the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So they're damned. So just run out to run around and find somebody that'll pat you on the back and say, Oh, I'm white, I'm a car, I'm an Israelite. Oh, just go on and get you somebody that'll just rub you down with sugar. Tell you how wonderful you are. And point the finger and say all the problems somebody else. Go find somebody to do that. Go on, go on. It'll make for a comfortable life. 
It'll make for smiles and laughing and giggling and happy and slapping and everything. Yeah, go just go do it. And watch what happens in the end. God forbid it ever be said that you came to this program or you was ever around Brother Don Spears and he didn't tell you the truth whether it slapped you upside the face or not. I'm not here to win a contest. I'm not here to win who's popular contest. I'm here about two things. I told you, I've made it very plain, very prominent, make no bones about it. I have an agenda. Said it from the very get-go. My agenda is to glorify and promote the Lord Jesus Christ and stay true to his book and preach and teach his book. That's my agenda. I have an agenda. I, I absolutely have an agenda. Because I love his people. The kisses of an enemy are deceitful, folks. The kisses of the enemy are deceitful, but faithful are the wounds of a friend. A friend will tell you what's wrong even though it causes a lot of pain and may even cause a break in the friendship, but he'll tell you the truth. But the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. All that slobbering, backslapping, we're right, they're wrong, all that stuff. You're so genius and great and wonderful. How come you let the how come you let it get in this condition? See, it just it won't don't hold water when it's put to the test of the fire, folks. Anyway, enough of that. Luke chapter five, verse thirty three, brother. <clears throat> oh, let me just I'll do something different. Is anybody in the chat room got any questions about what I just got through saying? Anybody got any questions about what I just got through saying? Give you time to write them in, in case you do. We'll ask the question while it's fresh on your mind. No writing, Brother Kevin? No, sir. Okay. Okay, we'll, can, we'll start with Luke chapter 5, verse 33. I see that dog got a question. <laughs> go, go ahead, Brother Jason. Verse 33, And they said unto him, Why do the disciples of John fast often and make prayers, and likewise the disciples of the Pharisees, but thine eat and drink? Okay. What's fixing to come down below here, starting right here, is there's going to be a division made between old and new. 
There's going to be a division. There's going to be a separation. The Lord's going to show you that He's going to tell you there's a separation coming, and it's starting here. It started with John. He's going to He's going to He's going to put forth a difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. If you're wise, you'll understand it and get it. That's what He's fixing to do. I'm just prefacing it before he, Brother Jason gets on down in here. That's what he's fixing to do. He is when when we were going through Matthew, I brought it up over and over again. All right, about how things were going to change, and Christ is fixing to do it again. Go ahead, brother. And he said unto them, Can ye make the children of the bride chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and that and then shall they feast fast, excuse me, fast in those days. Okay. In other words, there's time there's a time to do something because of the situation. And a time not to. That's plainly what he's saying. That's what he's trying to get across. He's going to get a little deeper as he goes on. Verse 36, brother. And he spake also a parable unto them. No man putteth a piece of a new garment upon an old. If otherwise, then both the new maketh a rent. And the peace that was taken out of the new agreeeth not with the old. And no man putteth new wine into old bottles, else the new wine will burst the bottles. Okay, and be just, let, let me deal with verse, excuse me, brother, I apologize. Let me deal with, a little bit with verse 36. Verse 36, anybody that knows anything about sewing, anything that knows anything about um, cloth, knows that you can't take a new guard I say a new pair of blue jeans and take a ten year old pair of blue jeans and take a patch out of the old and put in the new. Oh it might look cool, but the strength of the new would destroy the old. Now you can take some old blue jeans and then put a new patch from uh, an old patch in there. And they'll put it. They'll put. They'll reconcile with each other. They'll 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 fit together. If you take it out of a new pair of blue jeans and an old pair, and then that new patch will just keep on keep on keeping on, and it'll rip to pieces all the old. Anybody that's a, that's a if there's any seamstress women, you women, you know I'm telling you the truth. You know it's the truth. You know this. You should be the first to pick up on verse thirty six. And what he's talking about. See, back up there, John was the type of the law. Type of Elijah. The things John taught were for that specific period to announce the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ or the bride, like it's talking about the bride up there. His time came to an end. Even he says it, that his time had come and gone. Says it, we, we went over it in the book of Mark. This is such a strong thing that the Lord's trying to show right here that some of John's disciples 
were they were they kept scooting along on what John taught, and they ran across Paul in the Book of Acts after Pentecost. Everything had done took place, and, and Paul asked them, "said Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed?" And John's disciples said. We don't know whether there even be any Holy Ghost. See? Because the Holy Ghost wasn't a part of what John was teaching. So Paul immediately took them, preached to them, took them down and baptized them, and they received the Holy Spirit. But they didn't even know there was a Holy Ghost. And they'd been with John the Baptist. They were following his teaching, but his teachings had Past. They were for a time period, and they were gone now because the Messiah was on the scene, was fixing, fixing to usher in the atoning sacrifice and the new covenant. And that's the reason the Lord's giving forth this parable. You need to get this, folks, because amongst our persuasion, they don't get it. A lot of them do not get it. Continue, brother. First and no man putteth new wine into old bottles, else the new wine will burst the bottles and be spilled, and the bottles shall perish. But new wine must be put into new bottles, and both are preserved. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, Behold, all things are become new. Continue, brother. No man also, having drunk old wine, straightway desireth new. For he saith, the old is better. And they do. They're still doing it to this very day. They're still doing it to this very day. It is so important that this get across that, that Paul wrote a whole book dealing with this. Six chapters right in the middle of the book in the book of Hebrews. And people are still trying to pour old wine into new bottles and pour new wine into old bottles. They're doing it today. And they're arguing about it today called division among the brethren. That's all it causes, is division. No edification, just division. We're supposed to be given to edification. That's what Paul said. We're supposed to do the things that edify, not not divide. But, you know, if you teach the truth, it don't matter. You're going to, it's going to divide. The Word of God's a sword, folks. A two-edged sword. It cuts both ways. It's sharp and powerful. It cuts asunder even dividing of the soul and spirit. It tells you in Hebrews chapter 5. But this is specifically dealing right here. It's just he just threw it out there like he did a lot of things. There's no explanation here. The Spirit of God's supposed to 
explain this to you. Get you. You're supposed to be spiritually attuned to what he's talking about. See, it should be cataloged in your brain. That's why you have to study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed of these things, rightly dividing the word of truth, rightly dividing the word of truth. And my God, my God, when we get to the book of Acts, you'll see what I'm talking about. And in other, in other words, if you don't see what I'm talking about, you need to just go back and start at the beginning. Because the book of Acts has got divisions in it that's just unbelievable. I mean, there'll be, there's divisions between a half, a, between in a one chapter, there's a division of time in the book of Acts. There's a 2,000-year division in the book of Acts. And the Lord's just getting them primed for it. Go back and read verse 33 all the way through to the end of this chapter again, brother, please. Verse 33 to verse 39. And they said unto him, Why do the disciples of John fast often and make prayers? And likewise the disciples of the Pharisees, but thine eat and drink. And he said unto them, Can ye make the children of the bride chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then shall they fast in those days. And he spake also a parable unto them, No man putteth a piece of a new garment upon an old if otherwise, then both the new maketh a rent, and the the piece that was taken out of the new agreeeth not with the old. And no man putteth new wine into old bottles, else the new wine will burst the bottles and be spilled, and the bottles shall perish. But the new wine must be put into new bottles, and both are preserved. No man, also having drunk old wine, straightway desireth new, for he, hath, for he saith, the old is better. There you go. Appreciate that, brother. And, and, and bottom line, folks, if you're indoctrinated in something, and you can, you can extrapolate this out into, um, into quite, a, in, in quite a few things, all right? But you get indoctrinated in old, if you spend all your time reading Genesis to Malachi, 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 Genesis to Malachi. If that's all you do, you'll say straightway the old is better. <laughs> that's the problem that the Israelites had. He came to his own. His own received him not. But as many as did receive him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. They're still having trouble with it today, our people are. Because the old is a materialistic, literalistic, hands-on, see, 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 hear, touch, feel, that's what it's about. That's the way it is. The Old Testament is a do right, get rewarded, do right, get rewarded. That's what it basically is about. It's a materialistic setup. And it was all done 
as a shadow of that which was to come. The word spiritual is only used one time in the Old Testament. I said the word spiritual. It's used one time. It's in the book of Hosea. <laughs> and it's in connection with Ephraim. And it's in a, he's called, it's a demon possessed, all right? It's, a, it, it's, a, it's wickedness. It's bad. The only time it's used. In the New Testament, the gear is shifted. The, the things have changed. Something new has been added. Not only is there forgiveness of sin and redeemed from sin, a whole lot of new things take, new concepts. Not that the old was bad. The old accomplished what it was supposed to accomplish. It set forth the pattern. It said for it's all shadows, it tells you in the book of Hebrews. At least you think I'm kidding. Turn to Hebrews, Brother Jason. Because I know a lot of you there have not went and listened to the to the teaching in the book of Hebrews, and some of you don't have a clue what I'm talking about. Hebrews chapter six. Just start reading, brother. Hebrews chapter 6. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. I'm just going to make one quick comment. What Paul's talking about here is once you get this stuff down, go on perfecting process. We'll keep on. It's it, You're supposed to grow. Once you get this stuff down, you got it. Put it in your back pocket. That's just like knowing you're an Israelite, knowing the Jews are the seed. Of, put it in your back pocket. Go on to perfection. You don't sit around and, and talk about Hitler, making Hitler out of God, and that's all you want to talk about is Wall Street Journal and talk about this, that, all this materialistic stuff. Once you get the facts down, put it. In, you're supposed to have the facts down. Put it in your back pocket. Go on to perfection. That's what he just said. Now go ahead and just keep on reading, brother. I'm, and because I'm not, I probably won't stop you no more till you get on way on down in here. And this we will do if God permit. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. If they shall fall away, to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. For the earth which drinketh in the rain that cometh oft, it, oft upon it and bringeth forth herbs meet for them by whom it is dressed, receiveth the blessing receiveth blessing from God. 
Drop down to verse 17, brother. You start reading at verse 17. Wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. Okay, go to chapter 7. Start reading at verse 25. Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. For such an high priest became us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens, who needeth not daily, as those high priests, to offer up sacrifice, first for his own sins, and then for the people's. For this he did once, when he offered up himself. For the law maketh men high priests which have infirmity, but the word of the oath which was since the law maketh the son. Okay, he's getting primed up. Paul's getting primed up to 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 make this deal plain about the putting away of the old and the new coming in. Okay, go ahead, brother. Burke, chapter eight. Who is consecrated forevermore? Now of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. We have such a high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord pitched, and not man. Not not the Old Testament tabernacle, the New Testament tabernacle, which is in heaven. Go ahead, brother. For every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices, wherefore it is of necessity that this man have somewhat also to offer. For if he were on earth, he should not be a priest, seeing that there are priests that offer gifts according to the law, who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things, as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle, for see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern showed in thee, to thee in the mount. Okay, to sum all that up, hey, Paul's just saying everything that was done before time, it, everything that the priest did, the sacrificing, all the way they made the tabernacle, everything, the way the, the tents were set up, everything was an example of the heavenly. The earthly was an example of that which was to come. Drop down to verse 6, brother. But now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry 
by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant. Yeah, well, read that, read, read that verse again. But now has he obtained a more excellent ministry by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. Okay, the new covenant, the New Testament, has better promises and is a better covenant. The old did exactly what it was supposed to do. To set up the new, foreshadow the new. Go ahead, brother, verse 7. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. Okay, the first covenant is what? Exodus, Deuteronomy, Numbers, Leviticus. All the pots and pans, the Washington, he mentions it here. All the goings in and comings out, the whole old covenant is what he's talking about. It didn't say part of the covenant. It said the covenant. The old covenant making a difference between the old and the new. Go ahead, brother. For finding fault with them, he saith, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Okay. He make he gonna make, he said the days come. This is Jeremiah chapter thirty one that he's quoting here. All right, make a new te- new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. All right, he's gonna take he's gonna tell you he take, takes it out of off the stone and puts it in the heart. That's the Ten Commandments. He's gonna tell you that he's gonna write the law in your heart. Go ahead, brother. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they continued not in my covenant, and I regarded them not, saith the Lord. The old covenant. He could, they couldn't keep it. They could not keep it no matter what they did. That's the whole covenant. It didn't say part of the covenant. It said the covenant, the covenant, the covenant. There's no halfway three-quarter way, he said, the covenant. Go ahead, brother. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in in their hearts, and I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me. That know the, the least. Lord that know the Lord he's talking about there is encompassed in the old in the old covenant. The 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 law, the Ten Commandments, the 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 um the feast, all that stuff. The old case said the whole. It said the covenant, folks. I'm sorry. That's what it said. The covenant. The old covenant. Go ahead, brother. From the least to the greatest, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities. Will I remember no more? All right. That's right. The, the blood of Jesus Christ made one sacrifice for sin forever. Forever. That covered every single jot and tittle in the Old Covenant. The Old Covenant was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And if you're in Jesus Christ, and He's in you, 
ye have fulfilled the old covenant. Know ye not Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobate? That's one of the mysteries of the new covenant. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Colossians chapter 1, verse 8. Continue, brother. In that he saith, a new covenant he hath made the first old. Now that which decayeth and waxeth old is ready to vanish away. Read that last, read verse 13 again. In that he saith, a new covenant he hath made the first old. Now that which decayeth and waxeth old is ready to vanish away. You do not put new garment in an old, you don't put new cloth in an old garment. You don't put new wine in old old skin, old wine skins. Or new wine in old in the old skins. You don't do it, folks. You just don't do it. Next chapter, brother. Then, verily, the first covenant had also ordinances of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. For there was a tabernacle made, the first wherein was the candlestick and the table and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer, and the Ark of the Covenant overlaid round about with gold. Okay, all he's doing is just laying out the way the Old Covenant was. Some of the things that the Old Covenant consisted of. Drop down to verse 8 in the paragraph mark and start reading there. The Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest, well as the first tabernacle was yet standing. In other words, while the Old Covenant was in effect, there was nothing that the new covenant hadn't been made manifest yet. Go ahead, brother. Which was a figure for the time then present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience, which stood only in meats and drinks and diverse washings and carnal ordinances imposed on them until the time of Reformation. Did you see that, folks? Do you see what he covered in verse 11? Did you see that? In verse 10, excuse me. Which stood only in meats and in drinks and in divers' washings. That's that washing of pots and pans I mentioned earlier. It's talking about it. The washings. And carnal ordinances, carnal, fleshy, see, touch, taste, feel, I can see it, carnal, that's what carnal is, it's, it's a fleshy thing, it's a five senses thing, carnal ordinances, this is part of the old covenant, love put it all in there folks, that's what he's talking about, every single thing, put it in there. Everything. He didn't leave out none. There's no half of an old covenant. It's all the old covenant or all the new covenant. Go ahead, brother. But Christ, 
become a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Okay, see, a lot of people, they'll, they'll, they'll read right through that part about all the ordinances and the pans, all everything to do with the Old Covenant. They'll run on down here talking about the, oh, it's just talking about the old, the sacrifices were done away with. The, the, that's what, that's not what he said. That's not what he said. Go ahead, brother, verse 13. Or if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And for this cause he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgression that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For, there is a, for where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. Okay. I brought this point up before, but there's new people here. I'm going to show you, tell you again. Understand, you get this, you're gonna, a lot of stuff will become clear to you when you're reading the Word of God, especially the New Testament. When you're reading the Gospels like we're in now, understand this one fact, folks, in black and white. There is there the no testament is in effect until the death of the testator. I'm gonna say it again. There is no covenant in effect until the death of the testator. Therefore, what you read in the gospels, a lot of that stuff, the Sermon on the Mount, there is no New Testament, folks, yet. There is no new covenant yet. There is no law written in the heart yet. There is no perfected sin done away with forever yet. That's why Christ said earlier in Luke chapter 5, the Son of Man hath power to forgive sins. Of course He could. But they were not taken away yet. Because the new covenant had not been instituted. And it was not instituted till the resurrection. There must first be the death of the testator before the testament is in effect. And that's what he's fixing to read. Go ahead, brother. For a testament is of force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. See there? Is that plain, Brother Jason? Yes, Can sir. Can you see that? Plain as day. Go ahead. Whereupon neither the first testament was dedicated without blood. For when Moses had spoken every precept 
to all the people according to the law. He took the blood of calves and of goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the testament which God hath enjoined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. That's remission, and that's the Old Testament way, preparing for the new covenant to come in later, which was Jesus Christ. Verse 23, brother. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. See, a figure, a figure of the things in the old were a figure of the things to come, the things in the new. Go ahead, brother. Nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with blood of others. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world, but now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Okay, what he's saying, if he was like the old covenant, he'd be having to die every day. He would be perpetually on the cross. And it's different. This is God's blood, Acts 17, that was shed for you folks. God's blood. Eternal blood. See, he was fathered by the Holy Ghost. He didn't have Adamic blood in him. He did not have Mary's blood in him. He has God's blood. Eternal blood does away with sin eternally. Judicially, they're taken care of. One sacrifice for sins forever. That's the way you're made perfect. That soul and spirit's made perfect in Christ. Go ahead, brother. Verse 27. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Chapter 10. Folks, we're doing this because it is deadly important that you get this. When we hit that little section at the end of, of Luke 5, talking about, you know, the bridegroom and the John the Baptist disciples, this, that, and the other, about, uh, fasting when the bridegroom had gone away and the, and the old wine and the, and, the old, and the old garment and the new cloth, that's what it was talking about, and that's why we're spending this time right here in Hebrews to show you that that old was done away with. The covenant, covenant, not part, the covenant. It was reinstituted in your heart. It's spiritual now, not literal, physical, visible, not not no tabernacle. 
Not no slitting throats. Oh, it, 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 it's coming back again, yes. The last eight chapters of Ezekiel. But that's a whole different study, and we spent I don't know how many programs explaining that and going through that. Paul makes it plain in Colossians chapter 2. We're going to go there in just a few minutes and, and, and seal this deal. Go ahead, brother. For the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered because that the worshippers once purged should have had no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. And it was in the Old Covenant. Every year, you know, get a sacrifice, go back, take care of the year's sins. You know, there's some folks out there, and I'm thoroughly convinced of this, and I know I've dealt with some of them personally. I can hear it in their voice. They would love to be able to sacrifice goats and bulls. They would love to be able to live like hell for a year and take a clean, spotless lamb in and slit its throat every year. They could, they could live like hell and, and, and make one sacrifice and, and remit those sins for, for, you know, take care of those. They would love that. Why do I say that? Because there's more commandments and there's more um, things of obedience in the new covenant than you could ever find in the old. I'll say it again. There's more commandments and ways to do things you're supposed to do in the new covenant, under the new covenant, than there ever was in the old. And these people see that. That's why they spend all their time in the Gospels and in the Old Testament. In the Gospels and in the Old Testament. They'll just give lip service to the epistles. Because the epistles demand obedience. The epistles demand sacrifice of self. The Old Testament didn't. It was a shadow of things to come. That's why they just give lip service to the epistles. They don't even know the epistles. They don't know nothing about the new covenant. They'll quote Jeremiah 31, the Lord's written in your heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about the 500 million commandments you're given in the new covenant in the epistles? By Paul, James, and John. And Peter, what about them? All those commandments are for fellowship and reward. Continue, brother. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering... Thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure. 
Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book it is written of me to do thy will, O God. Above, when he said, Sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin thou wouldest not, neither hadst pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, That's that the he first may covenant. establish the second. Now, there you go. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. And you can't have the second if you're trying to mess with the first. He did away with the first so he could establish the second. Can you get any plainer, Brother Jason? <laughs> Say. No, sir. Verse 10. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Once for all, sanctified, set apart. Set apart for all those 50 million commandments by the Apostle Paul, John, and Peter, and James. Period. Verse 11. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oft, oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. You got that? Are you sanctified? You're perfected forever. You got it? You understand that? You're, per you're perfected forever. Now do you understand why the doctrine of spiritual circumcision is so important that you understand that 90% of you folks couldn't quote and explain to save your life that I've, that I've slobbered about and went through over and over and over again so you could get it. The soul and spirit are perfect. They cannot sin. They are sealed to the day of redemption. They're, the Spirit of God separates the flesh from the soul and spirit. Therefore, you cannot sin because you're born of God. 1 John chapter 5. You cannot sin because you're born of God. Not the real you, not the one on the inside, not the one that's going through the perfecting process, not the soul and spirit, not the inward man, but that outward man will sin every day. He's, if he used to drink liquor, he'll still like to drink liquor. He'll want to drink liquor. He'll smoke dope. He'll want to smoke dope. He'll lust after women. That old man don't get cleansed. But the new man, if fed properly, will take control of the old man and force him to obey what's in the heart. That's New Testament pure biblical doctrine. And if you're having trouble with it, it's because you're not feeding that inward man enough to make him strong enough to take control of the old man. Period. Signed, sealed, delivered, like it or lump it.
That's why they don't want to deal in the epistles. That's why they want to stay back in Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and Leviticus. Verse 10. as a witness to us, for after that he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil that is to say his flesh, and having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love, and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins but a certain fearful looking for judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. That fiery indignation devours the lost, devours the adversaries, and it causes you to suffer loss. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. If you disobey, if you do spite to the grace of God, they remain and see there's no way to get cleaned up again forever. All we, what we do, we confess our sins for fellowship, for stumbling and bumbling each day. That's for fellowship. Judicially, you're, you're as good as there. You are there, according to Paul. You're seated with Christ in heavenly places. The inward man is sealed. He's got it made. He's there. Don't feel like it, does it? <laughs> it don't feel like it. But it, during the perfecting process, the blood is still there for, to, for confession, for fellowship daily. If we say we have no sin, we make him a liar, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Context, fellowship with God. 1 John chapter 1. Don't believe me? Go read it. We read it the other night. The adversaries are burned up. They're burned. They're, they're destroyed with this judgment, fiery indignation of God. And the ones that are sanctified 
suffer loss. Like I said, 1 Corinthians 3, 2 Corinthians 5. You better have a fear of God, folks. And I'm going to mention that big time tomorrow night. But anyway, go ahead, brother. Keep on reading. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment, suppose ye, shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden under the foot, I'll start at the beginning, I'm sorry. Of how much sore punishment, suppose ye, shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sacrificed an unholy thing and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. Folks, to whom much is given, much is required. You hear me quote that all the time. You're sick of hearing it. I'll keep on till you start puking. Because that's how important it is that you understand this. Nobody's sliding through an easy street. If you're calloused with sin and done despite to the Spirit of grace, you saw right up above here what he said. Or how much sore punishment. There is punishment for a child of God. There's punishment. If you don't believe me, read 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 17 through 25. I read that. I brought it out in the book of Luke where the Lord says, bring them that don't want to serve me and I'll slay them. Remember those, some people receive few stripes and some receive many stripes. That's you. This damnable junk out there that you're just going to slide and get all this inheritance and all this reward for living like hell and not being obedient is a damn lie. And until you people get the fear of God back in your heart and our people come together with the fear of God and it's restored which you don't, you don't like it ever will be, but if it was, it would take the fear of God in our people to ever do anything again. Now it's, it's, it's not down to individuals. You have the opportunity to rule and reign over many cities. Our people have lost the fear of God. Apathy will get you that. Disobedience over and over again will raise calluses to where you can't feel something through a callus, folks. Where originally when that, that sore spot was touched, it hurt like crap. But after a while, it gets a callus over it, and you can tap it, tap it, tap it, and you can't feel it from the outside. Confession, repentance, obedience is so important.
eternity is a long time, folks. A long time. You got three score and ten to arrange and get that act together, so to speak, using worldly terms for a spiritual point. In a perfecting process, you got three score and ten to make your showing. Win, place, or show. You're still a horse if you're in the race. You're still a horse. You're still a son of God. But there'll be a period of time where you where you you'll be you'll be wondering if 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 you're not. You'll be wondering doubting your own self when the pain comes down. No excuses, folks. There will be no excuses. Well, what about you? Better thank the Father that it's the motive that determines the judgment, the works. It's the motive. You better thank God that word sort, S-O-R-T, is in our English Bible. Because a lot of times when a person gets saved, they're, they've, they've so long and callous with so many sin that they, they'll squall their way through the last, the last 30 years trying their best, their motives right, and they'll still mess up. But the Lord's merciful. He looks at the heart. Man looks on the outward appearance. God looks upon the heart. That judgment seat of Christ, our, each, every individual shall give an account of himself to God. Not no group think, not no group hug, not no national thing, uh-uh, individual thing. To save a reward for the things done in the body, whether it be good or bad. If any man's work abide, he shall receive a reward. But if any man's work shall be burned, in other words, bad, and the motives not what never right, he shall suffer loss. See, think of an almighty God. Think of that word loss. Suffer loss. And think of that picture in Revelation with the fire with the with the fire coming out of his mouth. The Bible says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. Well, you're just trying to scare us. You better believe I am. (laughs) 
And if there's anybody under the sound of my voice that don't know a particular time in your life that you made a conscious choice in your heart to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior and asked for the free gift of salvation and asked for the taking away of those sins, I suggest you find a place and take care of that immediately. It's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of an angry God. Turn to First Peter, brother. First Peter chapter 4. Start reading at verse 16. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. Now watch this. Watch this, folks. And if it first begin at us... What shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing, as unto a faithful creator. Back to Hebrews. No, no, go to 1 Corinthians 3. Start at verse 17. This is, this is talking about you if you're saved, folks. This is dealing with saved people in the body of Christ. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool, that he may be wise. Go up to verse 10 and start reading at verse 10 and come right on down. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is, than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. For if any man build upon this foundation gold... No, no, I didn't say for. It says now. now excuse if, me. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, 
hay stubble. Oh, there goes several precious stones. His good motive works. The wood hand stubble, you'll see. Go ahead, brother, verse 13. Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it. Every man's work. Every man's work. Go ahead. Because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. You better be, thank God, that word source in there, folks, because that's motive. Go ahead, brother. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. You see, folks, he's going to now turn while I'm talking, turn to first and second Corinthians 10, second Corinthians 5, and go down to verse 10 while I'm talking. He shall suffer loss. See, you read that, and you just blew fly through it without connecting all the other scriptures together with it, see? Without tying in the many stripes of the servant over in uh, that we're going to deal with later on in Luke. Peter just told you if the righteous scarcely be saved. Where does the sinner and the unbeliever appear? Scarcely. Do you know what scarcely means? Here it says, if any man's work abide, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work be burned, that fire, see, that fiery indignation. Remember back in Hebrews, that fiery indignation. He shall suffer loss. What in the world could he be talking about? Loss of what? Like I said, if you don't tie the other scriptures into it about the servant and the lashes, some with many sunnies, some with none. No clothes. Revelation 15, talking about your naked, so your nakedness doth not appear. Revelation chapter 3, exhorting Christians to be either hot or cold, not lukewarm, like I said the other night. Because of this reward deal, well, I'm just going to be glad to get there. You're already there if you're in Christ. You need to be concerned about what you're doing on the way there. Obedience. Obedience. Discipline. Discipline. He shall suffer loss, but he himself will be saved. Yeah, he'll be in there, naked as a blue jay, striped on his back. Yet saved, yet so as by fire. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, Brother Jason, read it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Read that again. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, 
we persuade men. Trying, Lord, trying, trying, trying. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. Therefore, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Same one that wrote 1 Corinthians 3, wrote 2 Corinthians 5 to the same people. See, folks, this ain't got nothing to do with that white throne judgment in Revelation where the whole world's judged like a balance. There ain't no lost people at the judgment seat of Christ. It's all believers. It's you. He's the bride. He's, gonna, he's the bridegroom. He's going to judge the bride. The fathers and him and us are going to judge the world. Some of these people can never get their doctrine straight. Back to Hebrews, brother, where you were at. For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me. I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. Oh, you see there? Judge his people. That fiery indignation. Why aren't they, why aren't they telling some of you wandering folks? Why aren't they telling you this instead of what a God Hitler was? Or how many mistakes are in a King James Bible? Or how the Jews are behind Hollywood? They all that crap. Then I become my own folks' enemy because I tell you the truth. I wonder who really loves you and who don't. I wonder who really cares and who don't. God knows my heart. You reading, brother? It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. You all got that? Hold on just a second, brother. I'll be you just be thinking about that while I get rid of this call. Okay, I'm back, brother. You think about that. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Therefore, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade man. If any man work abide, he'll receive a reward. Gold, precious stone, silver. But if his work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. Remember that parable of the, of the ten virgins in Matthew 25? Continue reading, brother. But call to remembrance, remembrance the former days in which after ye were illuminated, ye what? endured... 
I don't think that that word eliminates in it is in Hebrews. After ye were illuminated, illuminated. Yeah, illuminated. Ye endured a great fight of afflictions. See, they were illuminated, and what happened after they were illuminated? <laughs> you can't beat it with a stick. Then came the great flood of afflictions. Go ahead, brother. Partly whilst ye were made a gazing stock both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly whilst ye became companions of them that were so used. Does that sound like a, a wonderful, glorious time after they became illuminated? Does it sound wonderful? Does it sound like only believe, only believe. Does that sound plant a, a seed, plant a faith seed? Does that sound like a prosperity gospel to you? Does that sound like white's right and we're all right and wonderful and everybody else is wrong? Does that sound like that to you? Go ahead, brother. Keep on reading. For ye had compassion of me in my bonds, and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. That's your, there you go. I mean, that, that plain, how much down to earth, plain, crystal clear. Crystal. No ambiguous, nothing. My, my, I, 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 how you folks could waste your time with some of this mess going on there, I just don't get it. I know one on one thing you get a little taste of the chase. You 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 don't want the responsibility of knowing. Some don't want the responsibility of knowing. They think because if they don't know it, they won't be held accountable for it. <laughs> ah yes, been there, done that. I've been through that. I've, I've been through that level. Know all about it. Hoping, hoping, you know. I know better. I know better. You're going to be held so accountable for so much because of all the blessing that the Lord has dumped on us as a people. You're going to be held so accountable. A brother Don can't even dream up enough to scream about. I won't even. I can't even come close to articulating the terror. I don't have the words. Too much is given, much is required. You better pull your bootstraps up. You better get your act together. Eternity is a long, 
long time. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time. We've had around your precious word tonight, Father. I pray that you would cleanse each and every one of us of any unforgiven sin, any wicked thought, anything that's in our minds, Father, that would keep us separate from you, Father. We come to the throne of grace now boldly, Father, asking you to forgive us of any sin in our life, something we don't know. Bring it to our remembrance so we can put it under the blood. Cleanse us all, Father, for fellowship with you. Give us strength, Father. Give us more grace. Give us the ability to to set aside this old man, to feed the inward man to where he just beats the dog crap out of that old man and takes possession and control in our lives and our fellowship for you. Help us to be more obedient, Father, to obey the commandments that's laid down for us in your word. To forget that our wants are secondary and third. That you are the number one. Others are next. Ours should be last, Father. That's what true joy is all about. Jesus first. Others next. And ourselves last. That's true joy. Father, we thank you so much for the conviction of the Holy Spirit. For the conviction of the Spirit, Father, we would know when we were screwing up and we'd get beat all to pieces and not know why. Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much for everything you do for us. Father, take each individual, direct them in the path that you have them to go, give the scriptures you would have for them to understand. May they be obedient applied in their life for those in the chat room and those that download. I ask all these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For it's in his name we pray and for his sake alone. Amen and amen. Don Spears Ministries, 3155 Louisville Street, D1, Plow, Alabama, 36017. Telephone 334-397-2333. Email joydon1953 at yahoo.com. Folks, God bless each and every one of you. Good job, Brother Jason. Appreciate it very much. I was a privilege, brother. Lord willing, tomorrow night we will be back here same time, and we will um, be in part eight of... um, the time the timeline of deception. Love you guys and we'll see you tomorrow night, Lord willing. Good night.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.